Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 11 to 1. This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. Good morning. Hope you're feeling good. You can get in touch with me about anything at all. 86 658 Boy meets girl, waiting for a star to fall. Sinead Brazel here with you. Good morning. Hope you're keeping well this Tuesday morning. I'm keeping well because I have a cup of coffee in hand. I ran out of my green tea, which, you know, it's no harm for a little while. So I have a cup of coffee this morning. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good and ready for action. Um, is there anything nicer, though, than getting into bed a little bit earlier in the evenings now? Now that it's kind of creeping closer, the, the dark evenings are slightly creeping in. And that's exactly what I did last night. Like normally I wouldn't get into bed till oh, I'll be well after 11. Sometimes it could be closer to midnight, and which is not good. I know I'm a devil for, for staying up and getting a new lease of life <laughs> later on in the evening. But last night the bed was just sort of calling to me and I decided, OK, I'm going to get in there grab a book and a cup of tea and just kind of force myself to relax for a little bit. So that's what I did after a hectic Monday. And I decided to get stuck into a book. Um, the, the book in question is called The Emerald Spy and it's by local author Nicola Casti, who's from Termin Fecken. And she kindly sent me an e-copy of her book in advance uh, because I'm going to be helping her launch the book on Sunday uh, in the Dread Art Centre. But this is now, if you really just want to get stuck into something, a real sort of page turner, twisty turny, this is brilliant. It's set over sort of three weeks really in the summer of 1939 and like all of Nicola's books there's a local connection it's historical fiction and I, this is what I'm really kind of fascinated by because just two months before World War II was officially declared okay so this is kind of where the setting of this and it still tells the story true story of a small group of converted Jewish ref- refugees who came to stay in Termenfecken County Loud in a place called Newtown House which is now on Greenon where the ICA meet the whole time and this is fascinating to me. And of course, Nicola, as always, has done in-depth research on this. So she discovered the story uh, whilst researching for a different thing to write uh, during uh, the, the pandemic in 2020. And, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. And she was in the midst of working on a different novel that required travel to London. So she was like, right, well, that's going to put to bed. What can I do? So she started focusing in on the local area and she's from Termenfecken. And this story, which I had no idea, because if you Google Newtown House, first of all, I didn't know that Newtown House was on Greenon, I know. Uh, but if you Google that, it just sort of gives you the history of, you know, who owned it a couple of times and then it goes into, you know, how the ICA have it and on Greenon today. It doesn't really tell you a huge amount about the uh, Jewish refugees that stayed there. So this is very, very Interesting. And uh, Nicola has decided to to set her story there. So 
the the story, as I say, is the El- Emerald Spile, Spy. And uh, I'll give you the little blurb here. So it says, against the simmering tensions of summer 1939, a group of evacuees flee Vienna for the sanctuary of Newtown House in Ireland. Haunted by their past and those they've left behind, Gisela Mueller and Hans Schmidt struggle to settle into their new rural Irish home. Tasked with being a companion to the precocious and spoiled Nola Dufresne, Giselle, Gisela missed her previously scholarly life terribly. Meanwhile, Hans pines for his true love, Anya. With the surprise arrival of a German secret agent to Ireland, uh, Gisela and Nola find themselves caught up in a plot of espionage and IRA politics that will change their lives together. But it says, but who is the true Emerald Spy? So this is the, like, I literally, I have devoured half this book in one night that's uh, like it was a struggle to kind of put it down at something like I think it was nearly one o'clock uh, this morning when I actually put it away to try and get some sleep because it kind of is that real twisty turning if you're into spy and espionage and historical fiction and these fascinating things about you know the, these places on our doorstep this is the novel for you The Emerald Spy as I say it's going to be launched on Sunday in Drehid Arts Centre and there's a whole real celebration of Termin Fekin happening actually in uh, Drehid Arts Centre. I mentioned this towards the end of the show yesterday. There's a documentary film about some very famous faces from that area. Lovely uh, Nicola is involved in that as well. Arthur Matthews of Father Ted and Aikino fame is involved in it as well. A host of others and uh, that's going to be screened in Drehid on, on Sunday evening before Nicola launches the book. So all the details are on drehid.com if you want to check it out. But watch this space I have no doubt that this book is going to fly off the shelves when it does arrive. It's called The Emerald Spy. Uh, So if you do um, happen to be in your bookshop over the next couple of weeks, it will be out. And uh, yeah, I suggest snapping it up. Absolutely. It's great. And there's a gorgeous front uh, cover as well uh, on this. It's, It's absolutely gorgeous. So if you enjoyed Nicola's other work, you definitely, you definitely will enjoy this. This is the fourth novel. And um, if you're around on Sunday in the area, do pop into Drihid and because I'm going to be having a chat with Nicola all about the book and the inspiration and the research that she's conducted into this. So that's all happening on Sunday. Now back to today. And as well as uh, catching up on reading, I was catching up on music last night because uh, Kells Band, Ham Sandwich, they are back in action with a new and very different sound. Uh, it's called Magnify. It's going to be released on September 30th. I'm loving it. If you're into electro kind of pop, indie, rock, dance, kind of all that sort of genre mashed together. If you're a fan of Ham Sandwich, you'll definitely like this one. But it's kind of, so it's got all the key Ham Sandwich elements, but a lot of experimentation. So we're going to be chatting to Neve all about that a little bit later on on the show. But first, back to the music. Here's Lewis Capaldi. Counting days, counting days. Love that one. Lewis Capaldi, Bruises on LMFM's 11 to 1. Just want to remind people, the Bellingham mini dining experience in aid of Gary Kelly Centre is on this coming Friday, the 23rd of September at 7pm. That's happening in PJ Burns Bar, Castle Bellingham. So they're saying come and enjoy locally sourced food prepared by Castle Bellingham's own Mark Faulkner. There's also live music on the night by Andrew Healy followed by a disco with Jason Faulkner. There's a raffle as well. The dress code is pink and tickets Tickets are just €25 available from PJ Burns Bar. So that's happening on Friday at 7 and all proceeds going in aid of Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre. Now, there's something that's bugged me today and it's to do with coverage of the Queen's funeral. Not on the Queen itself or that coverage, but on Meghan Markle. I'll tell you all about it after these. 11 to 1.
Oops, Meghan Markle is obscured from view by a candle at the Queen's funeral. I think that was the headline that just kind of made, you know, this simmering sort of frustration and annoyance that I had about all of the coverage made Meghan and Harry in the last few days to just kind of reach boiling point. I just thought, are you actually kidding me? This is what you're writing. I mean, I don't know about you. Whatever your your thoughts are about the coverage on the Queen's funeral, that's besides the point. But I just think, you know, all this coverage of, of Meghan and Harry has just been incessant. You know, they're holding hands when they shouldn't be. They're greeting the crowd. Oh, they don't like her. They're booing her. Oh, they're passing the coffin. Are they invited? Are they not invited to ceremonies? It's just on and on and on and on. Like, no wonder they left and went to America. That's, you know, like, I know that the media always has kind of had this slightly you know, I suppose, what would you call it? Bitchy element to it, you know. But I just think in the last little while, it's become really, really toxic, particularly around Meghan Markle. And it's all these kind of headlines that are just to get you to click on it, you know. And it's unreal. It's not just one or two articles. It's constant. It's constant. And whatever whatever your opinion is of, of Meghan Markle, you know, the like... I just think, you know, she can't even stand in one place now at this stage without something being criticised and made into a headline. And I, like, I'm just scrolling through this stuff, you know, to prepare, you know, scrolling through articles, what's going on in the world. Um, and all of these websites are saying all this stuff. And I mean, if I were the person that all this crap is being written about, I don't know how I really would be coping. I mean, who cares if they held hands and ro- Royal pro- Protocol or whatever says otherwise? Who cares if her and Kate were standing beside each other and not talking? Who cares if she was obscured by a candle? Like, I mean, see, like when you say it out loud, she's being obscured by a candle. Like, I mean, I mean, oh, like how can you even sit there as a journalist and just take yourself seriously when you're writing stuff like that? I'm sorry. It's just horrendous. It really is horrendous. I mean, that kind of reporting, if you can call it that, is just trash. Really, it is trash. And it's like, you know, and you, you, it reminded me of, you know, if you rock up to school and you're in the different runners, that not, not the same runners as everybody is wearing at school and suddenly you're being whispered about. That's the kind of journalism, if you want to call it, that this is. It's constant. And like I said at the start, whether, whatever your views on the coverage of the Queen's funeral is, right, it's all these nonsense articles about Meghan that is just wound me up now no end like write about more important things there is so much more that people could be writing about and fair enough even if you're in the entertainment sphere there has to be other things that you can be writing about other than oops Meghan Markle is obscured from a view by a candle oh my god what do we come to and we're worse then because we click on it because that's what it's designed to do but it's just it can't be just me it can't be just me that this is annoying like Talk about completely barraging us with all of this nonsensical articles about Meghan Markle. I mean, you can understand why she left. You really can. I've been holding on to people. Tom Grennan, little bit of love. One or two messages coming in on 086 658 about my rant my, my rant that I just had there Sinead you were so right so many more important issues in the world to be reporting on they were doing the same with Charles yeah that's true we were you know talking about this last week you know he was having a bit of frustrations with a pen or two and people were making a big deal out of that um, I mean whatever you think of him he just lost his mother that's coming in 
Uh, another one there. I don't like all the coverage of the royal family. I think it was way too much. Again, look, you know, I, th- I like whatever people's views are on that. You know, I mean, I suppose in our lifetime, we've never had, you know, a monarch like the Queen pass away. So obviously there's going to be a lot around that. Uh, Sinead, you're right. It's it's uh, incessant, all the coverage of things that are not even news. I'm a fan of a bit of celeb news, but this is just mean. That's coming in from Lisa. Yeah, like, I mean, we all love to find out what celebrities are up to and what they're doing. But when it becomes just like constant and mean and spiteful and writing about the way she's standing and just silly things, it just becomes ridiculous, I feel. Oh, anyway, moving on. Let's get back to a bit more music. Here's Paddy Casey. Paddy Casey, living on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, I am very excited to chat to our next guests because a huge production is coming to Driacht in uh, Blanchardstown at the weekend. It's uh, an adapt- adaptation of Colm Tobin's uh, Booker Prize nominated uh, novel, The Blackwater Lightship. So this novel has been adapted into a screenplay and it's very much set in 1990s Ireland and around the HIV AIDS uh, pandemic, I suppose, really, at the time and it focuses in on a family so there's a sister, a mother and a grandmother and along with two gay friends as well have come together to tend to 29 year old Declan who's dying of AIDS. So we're going to chat to the producer of this, Donald Shields and also the main star of the production, David Rawley. You might remember him as Moon Boy back in the day on Sky so we're going to chat to both of them after these 11 to 1 It's 1990s Ireland and HIV AIDS is still a life sentence. A sister, a mother and a grandmother along with two gay friends have come together to tend to 29-year-old Declan who is dying of the disease. This strange new family unit are forced to confront the illness and each other. Can this makeshift family unit face up to the illness and each other? Well, we'll have to find out. Colm Tobin's brilliant novel The Blackwater Lightship has been adapted for stage featuring an all-star cast. It's going to be performed at Dreyuk Theatre in Blanchard this Friday and Saturday. I'm delighted to have the producer Donald Shields and also the main star David Rawley on the line. How are you both doing? Hey Sinead, very well. Very well, thanks. Great to have you both with me. Uh, Now we'll chat with Donald here first of all. Donald, this is a hugely powerful story, compelling characters. I can see why it would work so well uh, as a stage play. Talk to me about that process and adapting it into the the, uh, play. Yeah, so uh, David Horan, who is the director, adapted this story. He, um, I think after the marriage referendum, it kind of uh, piqued his his interest in this to really see how Ireland had changed from where it was in the early 90s when this story emerged, first of all, to where Ireland is now. And and it is quite interesting now looking back at then uh, and, and where this country is now. And it has, in many ways, has, has, has advanced a lot, uh, as has, you know, the issues around HIV AIDS, where uh, although it's not cured, that the advances in science and medicine around us, people are now being able to live with it, you know. So also interesting, that was a pandemic and now another pandemic where people are living with it too. So, but I think, you know, having said all that, there's also some very interesting, you know, stories between the the various characters, like the family unit itself and what worked and what didn't work and why this happened and this didn't happen. But also, you know, in the the story, Declan's friends come from Dublin to help him in Wexford and now 
you see the difference between these friends who come from Dublin who are coming to a very rural setup in in Blackwater in in Wexford and the differences in opinions and lifestyles and and the stories and and sometimes quite funny actually some of the stories that come out and emerge you know uh, so although it is a, a subject matter that has very intense kind of drama around it there's this also kind of a balance by a nice lightness within the way the storytelling is done too. And that's the key thing to have this balance of light and dark, as you say. And, you know, as as you rightly put it, family is at the centre of this. You know, we have a very broken family initially. Now we have, you know, this makeshift family and this idea that you can create your own family out of friends and things. I love all of that. So that's really at the at the core of this as well. That's it, exactly. You know, so um, you know, and even although it's hard to display it in the in the stage show in the novel, the, the the grandmother's house is by the coast, and that coastline is eroding as the story is going on, and that's a kind of a, a symbolism that's used by Colin Tobin in the way he tells the story. So he's he's brilliant, Colin, that way in the way that he 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 creates these stories and symbolism, and and is able to connect with people. And we see it in in the many um, stories and film adaptations that he has been involved in, no no better than Brooklyn, for example and how mm. that worked, you know. Um, and of course, we're very lucky to have people like Ruth McCabe in it, who um, Ruth would have played the nurse in My Left Foot and she played off the Colomini in The Snapper and she's done, you know, like even stuff like Damo and Ivor she was yeah. in, you know, and she's done tons of stage work, of course, as well. But same with the rest of the cast. We're very blessed by the, the, the great quality of people we have. And I think they were very attracted by the story and the adaptation that David wrote as well. It's very accessible. You know, it's not something that, you know, uh, certainly the time flies because I think people are compelled by this by the story being told and they want to find out more about the people involved. Oh, totally. And who turns down a Colm Tobin play adaptation? Absolutely not. I'm going to bring in uh, D- David is there, uh, David Rawley. David, great to have you on the programme. I was a massive fan of Moon Boy. I can't believe Moon Boy is all grown up and he's now joining me on the show today. <laughs> well, thank you very much for saying that. I know it was actually, it was. I think it was last week on Wednesday, it was 10 years since the first episode no. of aired. And that was a kind of a, a funny moment of looking back. Uh, but it was also a very, lots of very happy memories and a very exciting time of my life that I can only remember with fondness. So I'm delighted to talk about it. <laughs> oh, I, I, can, I can imagine you were like the kid that won the golden ticket from Willy Wonka's factory back then because what an amazing role to land. And to be honest, you know, to, it, was, it just really catapulted all over the place, that show. And it was funny, it was like I won the golden ticket and I didn't even know how, <laughs> how much it meant, to be honest. It was just a really fun experience that I didn't really realise, I suppose, until afterwards, actually, how kind of massive it was in my life at that time. And uh, just, yeah, delighted to have been part of it. And talk about now a very different uh, tack for career choice, because you've just graduated from the Lear Academy literally freshly graduated and you're about to take on a very difficult dark role I saw the production images of this you are worlds away from Moon Boy in this <laughs> that is for sure but talk to me about the, the process of this because this is quite a an intense role it's dark a lot of preparation no doubt into this well you know it's funny kind of off what Donald was saying there in that 
obviously it's a very dark subject matter and yet the way that it's actually treated is with a certain degree of lightness and comedy because it's very Irish when things are at their darkest that everyone's like let's distract ourselves by telling funny stories and you know keeping everything light and funny so even though you know the character Declan is dying he also is trying to seem okay for everyone else and so that's been a really really kind of lovely thing to explore of kind of actually the the kind of the the more um, I suppose forgiving sides of, yeah. of its unforgiving disease, um, but uh, it's been really interesting to explore something that's very challenging physically mm. and trying to kind of embody the illness as much as I can and the different symptoms and you know and for instance like for the drugs that they would have been taking at the time and how the side effects of those and actually what drugs are you taking to combat the side effects of the drugs so um it's been interesting kind of pondering all those different things and seeing how the symptoms affect them physically but yeah because i mean like you're you're extremely young you're only born in 2000 you know what i mean which <laughs> makes me seem so so old uh, so obviously we weren't around kind of for for the, the 90s and kind of all of this coming up so did you do a lot of research research into this and and what sort of source material did you go to or did you speak to people? Yeah, um, I mean, I I suppose I kind of, as I say, I wasn't alive at the time, so I didn't have any reference point. But it has been interesting talking to some people and obviously it's not exactly a nice thing that you want to make people Mm. live, I suppose. Um, So I kind of only spoke about it if people were willing to kind of bring it up themselves. And I just kind of sat back and listened and kind of let the kind of the... I suppose my understanding of the fear of the time and the uncertainty yeah. and I think a show is like It's a Sin captured that really, really well. Oh, do you know what? That's so funny. I have this down in my, my, my page here because that was such a huge smash yeah. hit and this production is coming at such a great time because like that show that you said there, It's a Sin, it sparked up the conversations again and made us kind of reflect on actually how did we treat people back then and, and you know, really sort of made us think about it. So it's great that this play is coming about now to keep that conversation conversation going. Absolutely and as well for an Irish context because obviously it's the sin was based in London and so it's kind of Whereas actually um, the AIDS crisis wasn't, I, I don't think anyway, hasn't really been tackled hugely mm. in Irish theatre, uh, Irish literature or film and so I think it's really it's really interesting now that we have gone through COVID that we can actually look back at how we responded to the most recent pandemic of the AIDS crisis where it wasn't everyone was being affected and it was at first believed to be a quote-unquote gay plague and there was so much homophobia that arose because of it. Um, But also there was a lot of activism that arose at the same time and actually brought a lot of the community together. Um, And... So it's been. I think it's it's important that as Irish people we look back at how we um, we responded to that time and yeah. also to see how far we've come. But also, this really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. And and this weekend the, the, is the big night for this, uh, Donal. You're 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 starting this t- Friday and Saturday, but there it is touring all around the place after this. Yeah, after we play Triuct on Friday, Saturday, we're heading to the Gaiety um, to perform there. And it will be the gala show that opens the Dublin Theatre Festival um, next Thursday, uh, which is great. And that's really yeah, exciting. That's because, yeah, because a, a lot of international programmers from around the world will be coming into Dublin to, to see various performances in the festival. And um, hopefully they come to see this, uh, which, will, which will be great. Um, but yeah, in the ideal world, we'd like to play it to more venues, uh, I think, next year uh, as well, um, which will be uh, really good. 
good thing to do, you know. But uh, so far, I mean, we're about to step, step into technical rehearsals today now. And, uh, yeah, it looks really good. I mean, the set is really enormous. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, uh, it's great. It's very apt for what we're doing. And, um, you know, I think it'll be a great, uh, a great night's entertainment and great drama um, built in. Really will it really will. Well, I wish you guys the very best of luck with it, and and uh, for yourself, uh, David, going forward for your career. I'm very excited to see what you're going to do. Uh, you've got the whole lot of it ahead of you there, and you're starting off on the right foot anyway with this production. Thank you both so so much for taking the time to chat to me today. Thanks, Sinead. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, tickets and details for this, by the way, the Black, Blackwater Lightship, dreacht.ie. It's going to be performed this Friday and Saturday at Dreacht Theatre. And as uh, Donald said there, it's going to the Gaiety as well. Powerful, compelling piece of work. You can find all the details, as I say, dreacht.ie. 11 to 1. Going back to the year 2001 today now. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 On this day in 2001, in an address to a joint session of Congress and the American people, US President at the time, George W. Bush, declares a war on terror. And today is International Day of Peace since 1982. This day has begun with the ring of the peace bell at the United Nations headquarters in New New York. Peace means so much more than just an absence of war. More ordinary conflicts arise from disputes among family, colleagues and neighbours and these deserve our sense of peace. So making peace with one person today even if it's just for yourself is a fitting way to mark the day. So International Day of Peace. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda and Dundalk showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie Left outside alone on LMFM's 11 to 1. News at 12 is approaching, but after that, Ham Sandwich are back with an amazing new album. Singer Neve Farrell is going to join me for a chat. 11 to 1. At Zurich, we don't insure against, we insure for. For ditching work and heading for the hills. For I spy and sing alongs. For country meanders and refreshing woodland walks. Miley Cyrus, Midnight Sky, kicking off our second hour. Sinead Brazel here with you till one. I hope you're keeping well. You can get in touch 086 1800 658. Now, uh, Kelly Clarkson is the latest that has been awarded uh, Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame. And Simon Cowell has said that he wouldn't be here today if not for the success of Kelly Clarkson. And this was uh, all during the ceremony as she got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, He said uh, she's one of the most loyal, talented people he ever helped throughout his career. Uh, but forgotten I forgot about this she just shot to fame after winning the first series of uh, the US singing competition American Idol all the way back in 2002 I'd forgotten that she was on that and of course Simon Cowell was a judge and um, he said I remember the day we met you I remember not just your voice but your personality I didn't realise at that point how good you were I just liked you and I'm so thankful. He, he said, I can honestly say thanks to you I'm here today, genuinely. Uh, you validated what we did. If we didn't find a star, there's no point in doing these shows and I could never predict what was going to happen next. And he says, the Kelly you see in front of the camera is the Kelly you see behind the camera. She's one of the nicest, most loyal, talented people and I've had the great fortune to help. My God, there's been... What's happened to Simon Cowell? All the praise tumbling out of him. We're not used to it. We're not used to him being so so praising of people. But she is lovely. She has a um, 
chat show in the US now I don't uh, watch it I don't know where you can really watch it here but I have seen clips and she seems really genuine and down to earth and lovely and bubbly Uh, she sold more than 25 million albums worldwide and she also hosts the multi Emmy award Uh, that's the the show Kelly Clarkson the show and it's in its fourth season and uh, in 2021 she she released her ninth studio album ninth when Christmas comes around and uh, that was um, since her that was her first since 2017's Grammy nominated Meaning of Life as well so um, she's got 17 hits earning multi-platinum platinum and gold certifications around the world so there you go her star apparently is um, the 2733rd on the Hollywood Walk of Fame if you're ever knocking around Hollywood and you want to check it out so there you go she's the latest one uh, awarded this which is absolutely brilliant now let's see what else is happening in the world of showbiz The Buzz on LMFM keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app Hi, I'm Louise. Andor hits our screens this week. The latest Star Wars spin-off comes out tomorrow. Star Genevieve O'Reilly says they've got the look of the series spot on. Their locations, the cinematography, the design, our costume design, our set design. It is really cinematic in ambition and I think people who watch it will really appreciate that. James Cameron hopes the re-release of Avatar helps the resurgence of cinemas. A remastered version of the 2009 sci-fi epic will be released in theatres later this month and James wants a new generation to be introduced to the wonders of the big screen. The directors told the New York Times younger film fans haven't had a real opportunity to really see a blockbuster in a cinema. Cameron says the world has turned towards home streaming but believes audiences are craving a true cinematic experience after lockdown. Eva Longoria has revealed she's lost her voice. She took to Instagram to share the news with her followers, joking that she hopes it comes back as the world needs it. But it's gone. I think it'll come back because the world needs my voice. I'm just kidding. But I do need my voice this week because we have a lot of rehearsal. And I need to speak. Also, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I don't have COVID. I just can't speak. That's the buzz. I'm Louise. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Don't you just hate when that happens when your voice goes and you can't speak and you're not actually sick, you're just not able to talk properly and people keep asking you, oh my God, you're all right, you sound dreadful. And you're like, I'm fine. My voice is just gone. Uh, hopefully she gets it back soon. George Ezra Green Green Grass it's a real party song speaking of party songs there's a whole album of them out very soon on September 30th it's Magnify it's the fourth highly anticipated album from Kells indie rockers Ham Sandwich I'm going to catch a word with Neve Farrell lead singer of the band all about the album and this new sound just after these 11 to 1 I think we're always afraid of writing the same song, says Ham Sandwich guitarist Brian Darcy. This is ahead of the release of their highly anticipated fourth album, Magnify. He needn't worry because this album features fresh influences, electronic soundscapes and their biggest evolution. Yet, the indie rockers from Kells are back with a fresh new sound. They're releasing it to the world on September 30th and with songs like All My Blood, which is a real party song, Electro Wave and La Soleil, they're already making a great impression with this new album and uh, I have to say, I think it's their best yet. I'm delighted to have singer-songwriter, the best front woman in rock on the line, Neve Farrell. How are you getting on? 
You're very good, Sinead. How are you? Thanks a million for having me on. Oh, it's great to have you back on the show. And I was listening to Magnify, the entire album last night. Thank you so much, by the way, for giving me a little sneak peek of this in advance. And uh, my husband came in at the start of Electra Wave, the first track, and he says, oh, that's the yeah, yeah, yes. And then you started singing and he was like, oh my God, it's Ham Sandwich. And he turns it up. And uh, I have to say, first listen through and it's like all the elements that we know and love from Ham Sandwich. But then it's just so different as well. There's a lot of experimentation going on here? Definitely is, yeah. I mean, the thing about ourselves is we've always wanted to evolve with every album as we go, you know, because it kind of, it keeps it interesting for us and it keeps it interesting for the people coming to our gigs as well, I think, you know. And the kind of, we want to, we always wanted though, as you say, like we always want to keep those little elements of ham sandwich, like the male-female vocal and the kind of more little acoustic vibes in there, but we definitely went a little bit kind of more adventurous, I think, with this album than we've ever went before. And I think a lot of the kind of way we had to write this album definitely dictated it because Darcy would be kind of writing the melodies on his laptop on a little MIDI keyboard, you know, so with all the synth sounds and stuff. So it kind of drove a lot of the songs in those directions from the very beginning, you know. And uh, we just, you you just take the song then where it wants to go, really, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, totally. So we, had, we had loads of fun writing this album. Probably, the, like, I've definitely, like, probably the, mo- the most I've enjoyed recording an album, you know. It was just, we just had, had, had loads of fun really with the songs you know oh, that totally comes across in this it really does because you've probably ripped up every rule book that ever was when it comes to songwriting <laughs> with this uh, talk to me though about the writing process because you know as I said at the start there highly anticipated fourth album you took your time you let this kind of experimentation mm-hmm. flow was it a case of listening to a load of really different kinds of music or did you just get in and just start playing and see what came out yeah, well, I mean, probably the second thing there. I mean, we we like as a group, we we have very very eclectic music tastes. Like we all individually have very different music tastes. Like we like a lot of the same stuff, but you know, we 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 really like a real mixed bag of things. And uh, it kind of when we got into recording this album, it was uh, it was written kind of in parts over lockdowns and stuff, and we couldn't really see one another, you know. Yeah. And we had kind of started writing it at the end of 2019. We had played. I think the song fired up on the album. We had played that at a couple of shows at the end of 2019 and it was getting a great response, you know. So that was really positive. And uh, so we knew we want, we had another album. You know, we were like, let's let's do this, you know. And then once the kind of lockdown hit, we kind of had to adapt and find a new way of working, um, which kind of lended itself better than to we, we were very prepared going into the studio because yeah. we had we managed to record you know 12 kind of solid demos that we then brought to the studio whereas before in previous albums we would be writing songs in the studio from scratch you know? so we were we were really really prepared going into this as well which was really nice and a different completely different way of working it uh, for ourselves and it took a long time I mean we we kind of the last album we released was 2015 yeah and uh, we kind of just went, you know, we were out there, we were gigging and, you know, and kind of as you get older as well, we all have our own lives going on, you know. So it kind of gets a bit more kind of the, the band might take a little back seat for a little while, you know, while we all kind of go through our own lives and stuff. And then, we, you know, when it comes to the end of 2019 and we did fire it up, it gave us such a boost, you know, that we we were capable of uh, 
of writing more songs and, and doing more stuff, you know. Totally. And it was good that you had that audience reaction to that song because at no date there's a little bit of trepidation as well when you're releasing something that is, you know, that bit different, a little bit more yeah. of experimentation going on. Was there any moment where you were like, oh God, I hope they like this? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh, so I feel now. <laughs> oh, you don't need to worry about that. You do not need to worry about that. Let me tell you, it's 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 so good. And you know, you collaborated with so many different people as well. You hired a new producer, Michael Heffern, and uh, you know, and a whole his list of uh, collaborations. There was it like a wish list of people that you wanted, or or how did all those collaborations come about? Well, we got we knew we kind of wanted to work with a new producer for this album. That last three albums we did, we worked with an amazing man called Carol Adlin. And like, you know, it was kind of just, we just really wanted to try something new and to have a little bit of a change, you know, and start kind of at the very beginning with a, with a new producer. And uh, we found Mick through a friend and we checked out all of his stuff that he had done before and we absolutely loved it and... I mean, when we met him then, we all got on like a house on fire, which was amazing because, you know, you kind of, first and foremost, you do need to get on with yeah. the person, you know. <laughs> so we kind of went from there then. And then with the, we had a guy called Justin Gerrish Nixon and a girl called, and a woman called Emily Lazar, who was, who mastered it. And they were basically, what we would do at that point of the album, when we're looking for mixer and masterer, we listen to albums that we really love the sound of. And uh, we look up online then who mixed these albums and who mastered these albums. So we had a couple of people kind of on our hit list. And these were the kind of two top names. And you kind of just take a chance and just email them. And if they want to work with you, you know, and it's not crazy expensive, yeah. you know, then it's, then it's great. And Justin, you know, fair play to him. He mostly does, does work with labels and people who are on record labels and but every year he said he'll take on a couple of independent projects if he really likes them. So it was amazing that he really liked the album. He wanted to work with us. And it was pretty much the same with Emily then. It was, uh, she normally would work for big record labels, but she takes on a couple of independent projects a year or so. And she, and she, she did that for us as well. So we were very lucky. You know, we just chanced our arm and emailed these people and, uh, that's what you have to do. You yeah, just have to, have to put yourself you can out only there. say no at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> completely. And you know, you're releasing this on your own Route 109 label. That must be great as well in terms of freedom, you know, being able to release the music that you want to be kind of true to yourselves. Exactly, yeah. And I think like, I mean, it's like the last album we did, 2015, we were the first uh, independent Irish band to go to number one in the charts. I know. Amazingness. Um, the charts began like which was which was an incredible achievement like and even to think now that we're still independent um, and we're still kind of doing all this ourselves we're very very proud of that fact and like this album you know this album wouldn't have been able to have been made like we have a little note on the on the album itself that you know it was completely funded by all the live gigs we did mm. you know between the between the albums you know what I mean it's like that's we you know people come to see us and then that what they paid into those gigs have absolutely funded this album. Which makes it so much more special. Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) And uh, speaking of nice kind of touches on this as well, uh, you have a very special message there in uh, the Good Friday track as well that fans might be interested to hear about. We we have, like Good Friday kind of, um, you know, it's probably all three of our, like it's definitely one of our favourites, you know, kind of as a group. And uh, it's sort of like an almost like a love letter to the band and to where we've came from and our journey. And uh, 
And we have a, there's a small section in it where we put in a recording of our late manager, Derek Nally. Derek, actually found this recording um, over the last year. And it was amazing just to hear his, his voice, voice again. Yeah. And we kind of knew that, like, um, the, the, the fact that we <clears> kind of decided to start the band on a good Friday. And it was like just a, a nice tie to kind of a little homage to the band. Like next year, we will have been together 20 years, you know. Wow. So oh, my really God. Pre- we're, yeah, we're really <laughs> proud of that fact, you know, because not a lot of bands make it to 20 no. years. You know what I mean? And particularly, and, uh, like you say, doing it on for your own bat and, and putting blood, sweat and tears and everything into yeah. it completely. Like you'll have to absolutely. do something special now next year, definitely, in terms of... hundred percent, we will, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, the, I have so many favourites. Uh, this album opens with a bang with Electra Wave. Um, now, I was surprised that wasn't released as the first single because I totally had that one on repeat. Who decides, by the way, what singles get released? We kind of just all do, really. Yeah. We kinda, we, um, yeah and, and the thing is, I think we all kind of know... You know, when you hear the songs, you kind of know which ones will stand out for people and kind of hopefully kind of catch their ear if they hear it on the radio and they kind of go, oh, I want to check that band out. You kind of have to think about it like that. Like, what's going to make people want to check out the rest of our stuff, really? Well, you've done that in in, in All My Blood. That is such a party song and it starts out and builds, doesn't it, to this big climax. Like, I have no doubt that that will make people go wild when you play that one live. Yeah, yeah, we've already kind of played that one live a couple of times and it always gets a really, really good response. And I think the lyrics as well in that one especially really resonate with people. Um, so that's, yeah, it's a really enjoyable song to sing live as well. We love that one. And Julian, that's the next one. That's going to be released on September 30th. I'm going to play this now in a second. Uh, this is definitely, I'm going to describe this like, uh, it's like an 80s disco, but if you're experiencing it in flashback, that's my... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we love we absolutely love the song and it kinda this song uh Dorothy came up with this kind of music at the beginning and like he just had this kind of idea that the lyrics should maybe be about being kind of obsessed with somebody or something. Yeah. So I kinda took that and I ran with that in the sense of um you know, my, my, personally my obsession with music idols when I was, you know, younger and and uh, the song is actually named after Julian Casablancas. <laughs> so obsessed with him. And uh, yeah, so it's just kind of about that kind of obsession with an idol. Yes. With the lyrics She's about, watching you know? him so dancing. Yeah. It was really, uh, it was really <clears throat> interesting to write because it was kind of a style of writing that we'd never really done before. We always kind of tend to, you know, veer towards kind of relationships and yeah. between people and that kind of, that kind of thing more so. So it was, for ourselves personally, it was it was a very interesting track to work on. Yeah, so that's going to be released next. Uh, the album's out September 30th, which means there is a tour as well. I believe you've announced tour dates. People can find out more on your Instagrams and social media. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be taking in loads of places. We're going to be doing uh, Trin, Oma, Dundalk, Limerick, Galway, Cork, Kilkenny and uh, Dublin as well so we have loads of shows and you can find all the dates for them on our socials yeah Fantastic Neve. I think the exper- experimentation the hard work has paid off with this congratulations on, on a cracking new album thank you for allowing me to listen to it before it's released to the world yeah. I'm wishing you guys all the very very best of luck with it Thanks very much Nate. thanks for having me on today Thank you so much Neve Farrell there here is the le- next track that they're going to release on September 30th it's called Julian We've all had bad dates, I'm sure. At some stage in your life, you've had a bad dating experience. But imagine being sent an invoice... 
after a really disastrous date. Uh, one woman took took to TikTok uh, to talk about an invoice that uh, she was sent after a date went wrong. I'm going to bring you that story very, very shortly. But first, back to some more music. Here's Train. I mentioned this disastrous dating story and uh, I think this guy might be taking the cost of living crisis a little bit too seriously because (laughs) under normal dating dating, uh, circumstances and we've chatted about this before you know the whole idea of who gets the bill and you know do you split it or do you let him pay and all that kind of stuff right so there's a couple of different options but in this case the man decided to come up with the third (laughs) so all I'm going to say young woman was left shocked after she was sent an invoice an invoice I kid you not by a man she went on a date with so he demanded that she pay uh, back the £29 I think it was so 33 quid, basically uh, he spent on her food and drink so Fiona is the woman in question she made a video uh, about this but he uh, essentially during the date he had offered uh, or so she had offered to pay her own way but he insisted that he would foot the bill okay so that's where that came from uh, in the now viral video uh, that she posted to TikTok she expressed her disbelief with the whole situation she says um, what you're looking at here is an invoice I received after an unsuccessful date as it reads here above under project uh, and then there's a due date ASAP She said, I'm not kidding. I told him I didn't really have a romantic connection with him over message politely. And this is their response. He said, it's not a matter of money. It's the principle. £29. Uh, Give me a break, she says. His very bizarre behaviour came after she explained um, that she felt no romantic connection. Um, Their time was off and they just kind of jam-packed schedule meant it just kind of wasn't possible really. Uh, You know, so uh, they just really um, (laughs) didn't click. And... uh, this is what he said. He sends her an invoice for the date <laughs> so she could pay the 29 quid when they were supposed to, you know, split the bill or whatever it was. I don't know. That has to be the worst scenario that has come up with there now in dating history. I don't know, but maybe is he on to something? I mean, <laughs> there is a cost of living crisis. Every euro or a pound counts, you know what I mean? If he felt he was wasting his time, maybe he is due the money back. I don't know, but there you go. TikTok, it's a world I'm discovering slowly but surely. It's a bizarre world, but you do find the odd amusing story on it like this one. Just a couple of notices before we finish up. The Ross and Rovers Football Club in association with Dolly's Pub, Ross and Slane are hosting a country music night with Nikki Brennan and uh, the Nashville Country Band. It's happening on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday at 8.30pm. Tickets are €10. Euro. There's a prize on the night for best dressed. Uh, fancy dress is optional. Spot prizes on the nights as well. Uh, and you can get the tickets from Ross and Rovers committee mem- members. So I think they're cashing in on the whole Garth Brooks thing. Fair play to them. Uh, also, don't forget, Friends of Our Debug is a community-led group of artists, filmmakers, designers and healthcare workers and gardeners. They um, are people living basically in the RD area running this unique festival. It's the Bog Cafe. We were chatting about it on last week's show. Uh, the festivities run from Friday, this coming Friday to Sunday at the Old Church John Street RD and uh, there's lots of different um, walking tours, poetry, live music, film screenings, lots of different things happening for that. You can check out more information on that rdbog.org forward slash events. That is our lot on the show for today. Thank you so much for your company as always. Have a great Tuesday. Chat to you tomorrow. 